0: You're in the book of Philemon, Philemon, verses 4 through 7. This is part 2 on a course on communication, a course uh, on communication. Last week, we looked at three ingredients for uh, effective words of affirmation. This week, we're going to look at the remainder of those words. And we'll conclude this series on the Christmas Eve service and so it's it's hard to believe that this little letter has got so much packed in it. But as we look at communication, very, very, very important element when it comes to relationships, marital relationships. One of the, one of the top five marital killers is a lack of communication. There's no, there's no talking going on between husband and wife, and it will kill any relationship if there's no honest open communication a lot of people don't know how to communicate they don't know how to talk they don't know that 90% of communication is listening and anybody know anybody that's just got to get the last word in anybody know anybody like that anybody know anybody when you're communicating with them they they have all the answers but you have, they've yet to figure out what the question is of communicating is me listening to what you have to say. Not a response, just listening. Most people just want to be heard. And so there's an art to communication. And so here Paul is uh, making a very personal appeal to Philemon. Uh, A relationship is uh, is, uh, being uh, stretched and strained and on the verge of just being destroyed because of Uh, Onesimus uh, stealing from Philemon and Paul writes this very personal letter uh, appealing for restoration and forgiveness and he begins this letter which Paul is a very, uh, he's good at communicating because he starts out by affirming Philemon. We talked last week a little bit about what affirmation is, respect, positiveness, looking for the good in people. And 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 kind of verb, verbally acknowledging that to them. Everybody needs a pat on the back every once in a while. Uh, you ever met these people that are like, "Oh, I don't do it for the pat on the back." That's a cry for a pat on the back. That's what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, and so everybody needs a, a little of, a little encouragement every once in a while. So Paul is very wise in how he's approaching Philemon. So let's look at our text. Get into part two. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. A relationship that is to be positive and productive needs to have the element of affirmation in it. If I'm going to have a positive relationship and a productive relationship, I have got to learn to affirm the other person. And that person needs to learn how to affirm me. So, what are the ingredients to make for effective words of affirmation? Ingredient number one, we said last week, was appreciation. I verbally communicate the worth and the value of that person. This is this is your worth. And this is why I value you. This is what you bring to my life. I appreciate you. Everybody needs to know that they're appreciated. Second ingredient, authentic, being real. This is the why of the relationship. This is why I appreciate you. This is why I love you. Then we said ingredient number three was to aspire. That's to challenge people to get past Mediocrity. to be better, to do more for the glory of God, to be, to be the best version of you for God's glory. That's what every relationship... I should, be, I should be bringing to your life what will make you a better you for God's glory and vice versa. So this is what Paul's doing here. He is so smart and wise in how he's approaching this very emotional, touchy... Very sensitive situation in Philemon's life. He begins by affirming him and saying, "Hey, I appreciate you. I thank God for you. And this is what you bring to my life. And he starts naming certain particulars about Philemon's life that he is really, really being blessed by. And then he aspires, aspires him to do more and be more for God's glory. I don't know if you realize it or not, but you and I are in an unending conversation with ourselves at all times. We may realize it, and people may look at us weird when we're talking to ourselves, but we do have this unending conversation going on with ourselves. We are saying things to ourselves. And they actually form the way we live. The way you talk to yourself forms the way you live. Everybody does it. Most of our conversations that we hold with ourselves, it has to do with who we are. I'm constantly assigning to myself my identity. In other words, when I'm, when I'm talking to me, I am trying to cipher through who I am. You say, I don't talk to myself. You do. You either do it here or you do it here. I want to give you two places where you look for identity. First of all, vertically, who I am in Christ. But then there's that horizontal. Situations try to define me. Circumstances try to define me. Experiences try to define me. I try to look at relationships to define me. And I'm going to tell you where the emphasis is really nests on number two, more than number one. I mean, we we put a little thought into vertical identity, but we put a whole lot of thought into horizontal identity. And so when we're talking to ourselves, trying to work through our life, we're trying to actually figure out who we are with whatever's going on, whoever we're doing it with. The situation, the circumstances that are that are that are that are transpiring in my life. This is who I am. Is this who I am? Is that who I am? I want to give you ten positive phrases to live by. Number one: I have to release what's not working in my life. Man, if it's not working, get rid of it. Let me let me let me let me let me let me, let me zero this thing down even more in a microscopic way. If whoever's not working your life, get rid of it. Not only what, but who. Number one, I've got to be telling myself, if it's not working, I'm I'm done with it. I can't let that thing sit there. Number two, failure does not define me. Most of us, when we're talking to ourselves, we're talking about how we've messed up, how we've screwed up, our failures, and that begins to what? Define who I am. We're not defined by failure. Number three, healing is in God's time. Quit rushing the process. We're always trying to make ourselves what? Find a better way, a quicker way, a faster way to get through it. When God said, Man, I've got something I want to do. Let me be the one to tell you when it's going to end. Number four, asking for help is not a sign of weakness. I need God's help on a constant basis, I need your help. On a consistent and constant basis. But it doesn't mean I'm weak. Number five. Embrace change. This is where we really have a problem right here. Embrace change. Here's number six. My past does not predict how my life turns out. That kind of goes with number five. Does it not? Embrace change. Number seven. I'm right where God wants me to be. The grass is not greener on the other side, y'all. I'm where I need to be. I'm with whom I need to be with. I need to be constantly telling myself this. Number, five, number eight, happiness is found only in God. Period. You want a happy marriage? You want a happy church? You want a happy life? Find happiness in God. Find happiness in God. I tell people all the time, stop praying for a marriage that God never intended you to have. God, give me a happy marriage. Give me a perfect marriage. That's not what God intended your marriage to be. Although it can be happy and it will be happy, there'll be joy in that. But people have this, this fantasy idea of what, oh man, after we get, we get married, things will really get better. Happiness is found in God. Listen, let me say this to you. I can never allow my horizontal relationships to become God to me. Only God can give me what I need. In return, I can give you what you need. You see what I'm saying? Number nine, there's there's joy every day. There's joy every day. Do you believe that? There's joy every day. Every day. And number 10, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be thankful for everything. I'm going to be thankful for everything. First Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances, Paul said, in all circumstances. So here's number four. We're going to pick up, kind of carry on with what we're talking about when it comes to communication. You know the, the, the three that we talked about last week, uh, which were appreciation, being authentic, aspiring people. Are you encouraging somebody to be the best them, best that they could be for God's glory? Are you constantly tearing them? Are you a wet blanket? Now here's number four. Anticipation. Words of affirmation excite anticipation. Excite this. Look, look with me in verse number six. He uses the word there I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective. You see it there effectiveness. Hope of restoration and forgiveness is possible because of what Jesus has done in my own life. Let me tell you what the gospel does. The gospel the gospel makes it possible for me to forgive and restore Because of what Jesus has done for me. Left with no other resource than to do what is right. Look what verse 21 said. Paul said, I'm confident of your obedience. And I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. You know what he's saying? I know that you're going to do the right thing. Some of you know what the right thing is when it comes to relationships. Some of you know what the right thing is when it comes to communication. Do it. Do it. Being honest about effectiveness of Christ in my own life, I cannot walk away from the relationship. I can't wash my hands of it and say I'm done. Thank God Jesus didn't wash His hands of me. And so if, if, if Jesus did this for me, I can't just walk away from that relationship. There's a, this, this excitement of anticipation of this thing being fixed, of this thing being resolved, of this relationship going to the next level. It's all on the basis of what Jesus did for me. Man, I am left with no other choice than to forgive if I am forgiven. You see what I'm saying? So getting right with yourself is the first step. And how do I get right with myself? You get right with God. And then you can become what? Right with other people. See, we've got this thing backwards because we're all about getting right with the person. Never giving you any thought that, may I got some things I need to get right first with God before I can get right with them. First thing you do is hit your knees before you go to that person. Say, God, what do I need to get right here with me? What, what is it about me that I need to get right with you before I go get right with them? And that's what you need to understand. Getting right with yourself by getting right with God brings this anticipation of reconciliation. Man, this thing will get fixed. But we do it backwards. We're all about going to that person, getting it fixed. But we, can't, well, listen, we take into this relationship this old baggage that we need to get right with God with. Don't wallow in the hurt. Forgive. Some of us sitting here today, we've been wallowing in stuff for years. We're wallowing in it. It's sticking to us. It's, it's, it's everywhere. And we keep wallowing in it and wallowing in it. And Why not just, what? Get yourself right. Forgive. Affirming by anticipating a person's potential to do the right thing. Listen, if you know what the right thing is, and you feel the Holy Spirit telling you to do the right thing, there's some excitement in that. Because that means there's reconciliation that's possible. Amen? Number five. Admiration. Affirmation evokes admiration. Look at verse 7. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother. My life in Christ should cheer, should challenge, should motivate and move people to be better. When you walk into a room, you ought to bring Cheer to people, challenging people, making them motivated and moving to be what? A better version of themselves for the glory of God. Man, when Philemon walked into the room or when he got around Paul, Paul was just overcome with joy just being around this person. How many of you know somebody that when they walk in a room, everybody's like, oh my gosh, there they are. Let's go, let's act, get on the phone, act like you're doing something. You ever met anybody like that? You really, you really feel awkward when they walk. Are you ever been around somebody when they walk into a room? It's like, man, everybody just gravitates to them. It's like, man, that's Paul should be that person where everybody wants to gravitate to you. Not to bring attention to yourself, but to what? Bring, bring our presence should bring cheer to people, should be joy to people, not dread and like, oh gosh. <laughs> you know. People should be eager to be the best version of themselves for God's glory they can be. How I live for Jesus, this is it, should ignite a fire in how somebody else lives for Jesus. You ought to be light in each other. You ought to feed off of each other. That's what this is all about. This is what he's telling him. I admire this about you, he said in verse Number seven, I admire your joy. I admire your love. I admire your faith that you have in Christ. I admire your love that you have for the saints. I admire that about you. Being the person who God destined me to be should bring a positive to other people's lives, not a negative. Right? What does a battery have to have in order to work? A negative and a what? What? Man, a positive is what makes it work. Negatives don't. Now, let me say something. You can find enough negatives about me. But I ought to want to what? Bring a positive out of everybody. And that means you go back and what? Get right with God? You get right with other people. And this is what Paul's telling him here. Let me give you a personal challenge real quick. Who in your life needs to hear your words of admiration rather than negative and what they don 't like about you or what what you don 't like about them? When was the last time you looked at somebody and said, "Let me tell you what I admire about you now listen you 're not here to swell up their head right but if you want to listen if you want a positive and a productive if you want a positive and a productive relationship, you've got to verbalize some things that you admire about people. This is what I admire about you. I look at you and I, this is, I mean, this is, that, that that's what it's all about. Admiration should always evoke an honest reaction of humility. That person is not going to say, well, you know, I, yeah. No, it will, it will evoke a what a response of humility. A very, very humble reception of that admirable comment. It's nothing that they're doing. It's what God's doing in their life. It's how God's working in their life. It's how, how God's forming them to be who, they, who God wants them to be. I told you, and I believe this on my heart, we've lost the art of communicating. We are not anticipating positive outcomes. There's no excitement that, hey, man, this thing's going to work. Our first, listen, let me tell you something. You know what people's most go to response is when there's something that happens in a relationship that it begins to teeter? You know what the first response is? I'm done, I'm out. I quit. I'm leaving. I'm running. But to take a moment to think, man, this is what Jesus did for me. This is how Jesus received me. This is how God restored me. How can I not do the right thing and forgive and restore and receive. And then we've lost this art of admiration. Because it's kind of awkward to us to go up to somebody and say, let me tell you what I really like about you. Because most of the time, we're too busy saying what? Here's what I don't like about you. When I was on social media, I thought it very, I don't know even know the word I could use for this. Pathetic. That's a good word. Pathetic that they had made a Facebook page for people to go on there and tell them what they don't like about our town. Are you kidding me? Are you serious? And people flooded this page. And I drive around and I'm like, well, I don't see that. I don't see that. I don't see that. They must live in a different town than I do. I I don't hear that. It may be still on there. I don't know. My eggs were too runny at McDonald's. I just did not like that. I think that would shut the place down. Don't order eggs. Order something else. But this is what we are geared for. Negative, 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 negative. To be admirable say, listen, you know what? This is what I like about you. This is what I love, what God's doing in your life. And this is how Paul's addressing Philemon here. I mean, this is a, listen, Lord willing, we're fixing to get into the, 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 the touchiness of this letter. This is, and Paul's like, I've I got to, listen, if you can't say nothing nice, don't what? Here's the last one. Personal challenge. It really helps to know that we're loved. You know what the Bible said? Love never fails. It never fails. It was 1960 during the integration of racial strife. Two men found themselves forming a relationship neither had ever had with a person of the opposite race. They loved each other. Their friendship developed in 1969. Brian Piccolo was diagnosed with cancer. Gail Sayers had been chosen for the prestigious... Hollis Award for Courageous Football Players. Coaches or staff were nominated for this, and he was nominated. Both Brian and Gail, they had planned to sit together with their wives, but unfortunately, Brian died. At the dinner, this is what Gail Sayers' acceptance speech was. You flatter me, I quote. You flatter me by giving me this award. But I tell you here and now, I accept it for Brian Piccolo. Brian Piccolo is a man of courage. Who should receive this award? Listen how he ended it. I love Brian Piccolo. A time of of racial strife to make that kind of statement. That's what our world needs to see now. Number six, words of affirmation. Look what verse 7 says. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Paul affirms that just being around Philemon is refreshing. This is a refreshing thing to be around somebody like that. This word refresh here, it, 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 it has this idea of relieving pain. It's like having a toothache going to the dentist and the dentist being able to do what? Fix it. Be that person that when others get around you, you kind of fix it for them. You kind of you kind of help them lose sight of what's really going on in their life. Man, why can't we be those kind of people? that if I'm going through life and life really stinks right now, just being around that person, I forget what I'm going through. They're like a good shot of Novocaine. They just kind of numb everything and I find myself being overcome with joy and happiness. Forgetting all this other junk that's going on in my life. I've known people like that in my life. I've known individuals like that in my life. To look at their life, you would think, man, I don't want that life. But to be around them, you kind of forget about what your life is all about. They've got more problems than you and I do. Yet they bring this, they bring this, 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 this release and this relieving to your life. That's what, that's what words of affirmation do. Whatever's really causing discomfort in your life, just a touch of that other person's life makes it all better. One compliment gives the strength to keep going and doing. You know what Mark Twain said? I can live for two months on one compliment. Mark Twain said that. When's the last time you complimented somebody? When's the last time you complimented your wife? When's the last time you complimented your husband? When's the last time you complimented your children? I grew up in a home I didn't know what compliments were. Man, when I started having kids, I made it my life goal. I don't want my kids to ever not hear what I and how I feel about them. I don't ever want them to go through that. And it may seem mushy to them. They're grown men, a grown young lady. It may seem mushy. I don't care. Because if I die, the last word to come out of my mouth, I want it to be something affirming to them. I'm proud of you. I love you. Life would be kind of different without you in it. I don't know if you're like me. Man, I get excited just eating supper with my family. I just, just sitting there. Having them all around and just sitting there. Just hearing them talk and, 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 and whatever they're talking about. I, 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 that's affirming to me. And we need to learn this. We need to understand that Jesus was the greatest affirmer that ever lived. People wanted to be around Jesus. Why do you think multitudes followed Him? Think about these. Here's some example. Matthew 26, verse 10. Remember the woman who anointed His feet with oil? Oh, Lord, this oil should have been sold and given to the poor. And Jesus said, since I have walked into this house, she has not stopped. And wherever this gospel is preached, everybody will hear about what she's done. You keep doing what you're doing. Here's another example. John 8 verse 11. Remember the woman taken in adultery? Never heard a positive word in her life until Jesus showed up one day and said, Listen, where are your accusers? I don't accuse you either. Go on. Live a new life. Here's another one. John 21 verse 19. This is a good one. How many in this church, I want to see your hand. This is just a fun moment. How many of you sitting here today, just be honest now, because I'm going to be honest too. You feel like there's been a time in your life where you've just blown it. I sure. to Yeah, I want to see, yeah, we, I'm just I blew it. Man, Peter was one of them dudes. He blew it. Man, right when Jesus needed him the most, he takes plan B and said, I'm going to go hang out by the fire, and I'm going to deny everything I ever knew about Jesus. And so when they came down to it and Jesus resurrected and Jesus is on the seashore, they're out there fishing. They're they're really not fishing. They're just out there licking their wounds. Jesus said, hey, have you caught any fish? And they're like, yeah, we've been fishing all night. He said, well, maybe if you cast your net on the right side of the boat, you'd catch something. And Peter said, oh, it's the Lord. He jumps in the water, swims, and the first thing out of Jesus' mouth is not, you have botched this thing, dude. No, he said, listen, if you love me, you go serve me that's affirming him yeah you might have really blown it but that's not what we're going to focus on jesus went about his world lifting people up remember the remember the lady that came to the well she came at a time when nobody was there because she was just one of those people bad person horizontally speaking when she walked in through town, people would talk about her. And Jesus said, I'd like to have a drink of water. And she said, well, you don't have nothing to draw with. He said, well, if I give you water that I have, you'll never thirst again. And they had this back and forth conversation, no pun intended. And when it was over, what she had brought, what defined her, what represented her, what was her life was left at Jesus' feet. She went back into the town because Jesus affirmed her. What's wrong with affirming people? That's what Paul's doing here. Words of affirmation are essential. Here's the last thing. Application. Let's apply this. Shall we? Everybody needs to be intentional with their conversation. Right here. Very intentional. Okay? Don't just... Converse to hear yourself talk. One thing I hate about wearing hearing aids, anybody in the house wear hearing aids and hate the same thing I do, is I can hear myself talking. And I sound really ridiculous. I'm like, how do those people listen to me every Sunday? That's why I don't wear them when I'm up here because I really don't want to hear myself preach. (laughs) I was told in seminary, if you ever listen to yourself preach, you'll never go back to church. Talking about preachers. And right. I've never listened to myself preach in 30 years of ministry. Never. That's really, he's joking, but the, the, the meaning is true. You don't want to listen to yourself preach. We've got to be intentional, ladies and gentlemen, when we now I'm not talking about general conversation, having a drink, having a cup of coffee, just talking. But I'm talking, man, when it comes down, because Paul here, and we're getting ready to get, we're getting ready to get into this part of Philemon. Man, sometimes you've got to have the hard conversations, y'all. Some of you are teetering on that. You need to get that thing settled. The New Year's coming, clean break, flesh, clean slate. Have that conversation and go into that New Year, man, for God's glory. Amen? Do it. Do it. If you need, get a mediator. Get somebody there to sit with you, pray with you. Bring God into that conversation. Bring the Lord into that conversation. Bring the Spirit of God into that conversation. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't bring God into your conversation, you will blow it. You will sin with your words, you will you better bring God into that conversation you better let him be the one to direct what you say and how you say it how when you say it because if you don't you will blow that conversation way out you will it, you will blow it let's be intentional real quick with our conversation first of all you've got to be personal be connected be connected we are the most and I you know this is kind of I'm kind of weird okay please don't judge me but I'm going to tell you so I was sitting at Beth's house and I'm listening to this podcast of an atheist He don't believe in God now this dude says he would like there to be evidence of God and I'm like duh really I said I wish I could call you up and FaceTime you and let you look in that little crib sitting right over there I mean but this is what he said we are the most disconnect, disconnected culture there is We're not connected. There's no personalness about us anymore. Right? Man, if you're going to have an intentional conversation, you've got to be connected with that person. You've got to be connected with that person. Right? That means what? If I'm going to be connected with that person, I've got to do what? Put all distractions out of my life. You're it. You're all I focus on. Everything else is over here. I want to connect with you. I want, I want, this is a Be personal. Number two, when it comes to intentional conversation, be positive. Don't go into it thinking, well, it may work and it may not. Go into it and say, God, by your help, this will come out right. I'm going to get myself right, and then I'm going to go with this. Amen? Yeah. You got to be, you, listen, you got to have purpose here. What's your purpose? Unload your gun. Don't go into it with a weapon loaded. Don't go in half-cocked yourself waiting for that person to say the wrong thing. And when they do, that's it. No, find something that says, okay, God, I need to get this right with this person. I love them too much. Number three, be present. Listen, don't be in a relationship that lives in yesterday. Live now. Talk about what's going on now. Don't talk about what a marriage used to be. Talk about what it is now. Okay? One thing that really got on my nerves being a pastor in North Carolina, everybody was looking for what God was doing yesterday. They were missing what God was doing today. They would actually pray, God, do what you did 20 years ago. What? Why not do what he's doing now? Be present in that relationship. Listen, that's so good for you parents with, with, with children. Be present with them now right does that make sense to y'all be up to date in that thing don't be out of date nobody likes to drink soured milk right make sure the make sure that date is where it needs to be number 4 be pointed listen quit quit hanging on a generic and get specific in that thing. Paul got very specific with Philemon. And he's fixing to in verses 8 down to verse 21. Really get specific with him now. Paul even told him. He said, I've got enough. He said, I, this is what Paul told Philemon. He said, I've, there's enough in me to command you to do what you know you ought to do. But he said, I'm going to not do that. I'm going to let you do the right thing. Amen. Now, so the, the fourth one is what? Be plain. Listen, don't clutter that thing up over talking it. Just be straight. Be straight. Be plain. Be clear. Be very, just be that way. And number five, number, I'll oh, say how many we got here. Number six, be, put your heart into it. Be passionate. Man, ain't nothing like talking to somebody that ain't got no heart in it. Right? You don't feel no love off of them. Right, You know what Paul's doing? He's being very loving here, saying, look, let me tell you something. This is what I love about you. This is what I admire about you. This is what really, and this is what I hope will happen because of you. Man, I'm hoping your word, your testimony, your witness will be very effective in this whole time. I guarantee you, listen, if we were there, Aaron, you can come on. If we were there, okay, watching Philemon read this letter, I guarantee you two things would probably be happening. Tears and sweat. Tears and sweat. Because the more he reads his letter, the more he's realizing, man, Paul's got my number. I don't I don't feel like that kind of person anymore. I'm very angry. I'm very hurt. I'm, I, I've been having these unhealthy emotions because of what Onesimus has done to me. Maybe you're that person. Listen, Communication is so vital. Words of affirmation, affirming people. When's the last time you let somebody know, I appreciate you. Hey, this is what I admire about you. This is what I hope God does with your life. Aspire you to be more than what you are right now for God. I hope you're so successful. I want you to be effective. Talking those kind of words into our life, that's what what brings a very positive, a very very productive relationship. Maybe we're failing at that. I hate to say this, but it's true. Men are the worst communicators in the world. We don't like to express ourselves. We need to stop being that way and kind of break that stereotype and say, I need to start expressing myself, talking, communicating. Maybe you're you're sitting here and you're like, man, I need to have a hard conversation. I really need to talk about this. I don't know how to do it. Just do it. Let God direct that thing. I don't know what it is you're dealing with today. I'm praying that you will come and get that thing right.